Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, it's Wednesday morning. We're getting close to the weekend. All the big games. Weber State's headed off to Nevada. Utah State has a bye. They, they've got a week and a half to get ready for San Diego State in their conference opener. The Utah Idaho State. And then there's the big game. USC and BYU, Saturday at 1.30 on ABC. USC's ranked now after those two wins. Uh, they've got everybody's attention. Can they get the 3-0? and Can they take down the Cougars? Uh, Four-and-a-half point favorites last I saw. i got to admit, um, I'm surprised that line isn't bigger. You know, USC just has this rep, and it you lose it. You know, you don't play well, and you have an eight-win season, or you have a five-win season or whatever. I mean, they're only two years removed from the Rose Bowl. It's not like they've been terrible. But, man, they look good against Stanford. I'm just thinking college football, once you have the rep, even if it's in trouble, you can resurrect it pretty quickly. Um, yeah, we'll see if SC's doing that or if Utah and BYU are about to take them down a couple pegs the next two weeks. You know, they're going to be 4-0. They're going to be 2-2. They're going to split these and be 3-1. and All right, time to hear from some of the Cougars about this game. Let's start with Zane Anderson on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, now you're back at safety. What's it been like? Um, it's, been a, it's been a different transition. I think uh, sometimes going from safety linebacker is a little easier transition. But um, it's been fun. I, I really like Coach Hadling. He's helped me out a lot. And um, it's been a unique transition, and they've been patient with me. And I've, I've been learning again. And so it's always good to learn something new and get back there to my roots and kind of back. It's a little different. It's a little different schemes and stuff, but it's still kind of the same sort of thing I was doing a couple years ago. Did you initiate the move, or did uh, they come to you? Um, it was a little, kind of mutual thing. Yeah, it was just kind of mutual, and it, it kind of worked out with everything going on. And so... I know you added a bunch of weight to play linebacker. Is mm-hmm. that going to benefit you at the safety position? I like? think so. I think um, for longevity of the season and stuff and just staying healthy, I think um, having a little more mass helps, whether it's at safety or linebacker. And um, that's kind of what I was building for off, off season. And I think it'll carry on through safety as well. Besides the size, is there anything else that you think benefits you having played safety and linebacker? Um, I think just kind of being able to play both positions and know now I'm looking in front and I see the linebackers playing and I know what they're doing. and So just kind of knowing where everyone's out on the field, um, being able to play with the safeties. Now I've got to talk to corners and the linebackers. And, and so being played that position and that I've in front and stuff, it's, it's helped me as a safety know where they're going to be on the field and where I should be at. Have you ever played a pure air raid system like USC's employing? Um, but we have, but I mean, they're, they're, they've got some really good skill players. Um, they spread the ball out, and they've got some really good receivers and a good quarterback that can throw the ball, and so it'll be a good challenge for us. We're excited. Is there anything you can do against a true freshman quarterback you feel like to confuse him a bit? Um, we just got to execute our plan. Um, you know, who knows if they'll make a mistake, but if we execute our plan and execute what our coach is prepared for us, we'll be, we'll be good. Not a ton of film on him, not obviously expecting the injury to Jason Daniels. What are you expecting to see out of this? Um, luckily, we uh, we have that Stanford game. Um, I know Stanford they didn't have much film on him before against Fresno. But I'm just having a game on him helps. Um, he's, he's a good, accurate quarterback. And um, as a, for a freshman, he does a really good job um, controlling his team and putting the ball out to his receivers. And so just having that one game, even though it's not a lot of film, it does help. And so I'm um, glad he played last game, and it's good to have a little bit of film on him. Looking back at Tennessee just for a minute, what was your experience watching your comeback play out? Oh, it was awesome. Um, you know, as a defense, we knew what we needed to do, and I feel like we handled that for the most part. There was a few mistakes on the way, but um, we didn't execute a little more. And, but, you know, the offense in that situation, you know, it's, it, was, it was just electric. And uh, being able to watch on the sideline, it all happened. It was pretty magical, and being able to um, – 
kind of come out of that stadium with that, with everything, all that adversity and stuff. You know, we weren't supposed to win that game in that fourth quarter with 20 seconds left, and, and so it really is a really cool experience. And uh, we we got to we got to put that behind us. It was it was a fun for it lasted, and it was a good experience for all member. But we got a big game this week, and it's going to be a good challenge for us. Are you on the field when Zach tossed that shoe? Um, I wasn't. I was on the sideline. What was your reaction? I didn't really know what it was. I just saw something flying in the air. So, and then I looked on my phone after the game and saw it was all over Instagram and all over the place. And so he's, I live with Zach, and so he's my roommate. And so we were laughing. And if anyone else would have done that, wouldn't have been as funny. But the fact that Zach, it was pretty funny. Zane, you've been known Sawyer Pal. You've been playing with him for years and years now. What? Even though he's not on scholarship, what drives him? He must really love football. Yeah, I think he uh, had this determination to kind of get on the field and kind of be that dude. And uh, he's, he's in the past, he's kind of gotten looked down and kind of moved around and stuff. And so he's finally got a shot, and I feel like he's doing a really good job back there. And uh, he's really taking upon his opportunity. And he's, he's, I feel like he's just a guy that wants to play. You know, he's, he has, like you said, he's a walk-on and. Um, what really kind of drives him is just getting on the field and showing what he can do and kind of proving people wrong. And so he's done a good job of that. How was game day different with the uh, earlier kicks versus the later ones? Um, you know, as a player, I think you like it. The later ones, you're kind of sitting in the hotel all, all day and you kind of get it's kind of a sleepy, kind of groggy by the end of the night. But so um, earlier games, it means that we got to prepare more earlier in the week. Um, that goes for sleep and nutrition. It starts now because you don't have that full day to recover on Saturday and stuff. And so it's an early game where Friday night you need to be ready to roll. And so it really is. It's not um, six hours or so. It's it's different. And uh, I like it as a player, you know, and I'm sure the fans like it. not as late of the night. And um, it'll be good to play in the middle of the day in Lavelle. Does it have any added importance for you that this is a network television game on ABC? I mean, it does. I mean, it's, it's cool that um, we get to kind of show our – what we're about at BYU and for our fan base out there. But, I mean, as a player, it doesn't really matter. You know, you're just out there playing football, and um, you got a good, really good team coming in and a good challenge for us, and we're really excited for the opportunity. Defense made some big stops, especially towards the end on third third down. What's kind of the key to making those big plays, especially that late in the game? Um, I think it, especially this last game, I think it starts with the D-line um, getting pressure up front. Um, that helps us out as DBs and linebackers dropping and stuff. And so that really controlling the line of scrimmage with them it is crucial, and they've done a really good job for us so far. And so um, those third downs, they are crucial, and, I, and even fourth downs. And I feel like we did a good job last week, and so we need to continue that. Um, build off that and um, just on third down, third and fourth downs, we need to be locked in and uh, ready to show out. Was that a frustration against Utah's run game, particularly in that second half? Was yeah. That, was that an emphasis on improving? Yeah, definitely. And even uh, even Tennessee, they, they ran the ball too much on us. And um, as a defense, we take a lot of pride in um, stopping the run. And um, the past few weeks, we've let off some big runs, and that's just kind of not what we're known for. And so um, we met after the Tennessee game. We weren't happy with that. And we've played some really good running backs so far with Utah and Tennessee had to go to running backs. And we're going to face another challenge this week with USC. And so that's what we take pride in as a defense is taking control of the line of scrimmage and stopping the run. And we haven't done as good a job of that. And so that's something we're really focusing on. Is it easy to overlook their run game with when they put up the passing numbers that they, that they did? Definitely. Um, like you said, they've, they've put up some really good passing numbers, but they've got really capable running backs um, that can stretch the field and do they do a really good job for them. And I think that helps. Um, they're passing the ball, opens the run up. But, um, you know, they've got really good running backs, really good receivers as well. So we can't – just because they've got really good receivers doesn't mean they have good running backs. They've got good running backs, and they've got good skill players all over the field. 
There is BYU's Zane Anderson. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Mike Simon, who had the big catch at Tennessee, you'll hear from him. And from defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, how in the world are they going to slow USC down? We'll hear from Elisa coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, BYU's got USC this Saturday, 1.30 on ABC. Got a great time slot. Got a big-time opponent. This is a two-for-one. Uh, they're going to be down at USC in 2021 and 2023 on Thanksgiving weekend. This is their one home game with USC. So <laughs> this is your chance. So USC was here, what was it now? It was uh, 15 years ago. Um, you know, who knows how long it'll be before they're here again to see BYU. So if you're a Cougar fan, this is your chance to see the Trojans at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. All right, Mike Simon had the enormous catch at the end of the game as uh, BYU rallied and got to overtime and eventually beat Tennessee in double overtime. Uh, and Mike is always a great interview. And I remember talking to him on Media Day a few months ago. Just awesome. He's got a ton of personality. Uh, he really gets it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the media loves to see Micah coming. Here's Micah Simon with the media on 97.5 and 12. The zone. I'm sure you've been describing it all weekend, but can you describe that play from your perspective uh, in the fourth quarter? Yeah, uh, really just four four verts um, from my side of the field. Had Bushman inside of me. We all know he's a great a great player, great tight end. Had a, a lot of guys looking at him, a lot of guys, uh, you know, kind of covering him. And I just slipped behind the guy. Zach Zach saw it, made a great throw, and uh, was able to get in a field goal range and. Get uh get Jake the make out there to take us in overtime. Looking back at the film, now you've had a chance to watch it again. What did you take away that you didn't take away from the game itself? Uh, just overall. Yeah, overall. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, I think some of it has been had been talked about after the game and other interviews, but you know, uh, our pre-snap operation wasn't wasn't crisp at all. You know, we had to make some changes. That uh, that stadium was super loud and. Uh, Credit to those fans for for uh, for making it hard on us, um, but we were able to kind of bounce back. But I felt like a lot of those um, pre-snap issues caused us to to kind of have a have a small lapse in some of our our plays, put us in some difficult situations. And I look back at our at our third down total as well. Third downs was not nearly as where where we wanted to be. It wasn't as good as good as it was week one. So that's something we'll have to uh, clean up on. When you made that. When you made that big play at the end, were you aware of just how tight the time was or when you made the catch, just how far you still had to go to get in the field goal range or were you just kind of doing just doing what you could? Uh, I had a I had a thought kind of right before the play and it was like 18 seconds left when we snapped the ball and uh, I wasn't counting in my head while I was running. But when I, uh, when I had the ball and I felt a little pressure, um, I did kind of just glance up at the clock to see how much time was left. I think it was about eight, seven or eight seconds left. So then I just was, I knew I wasn't going to score, so I just thought about protecting the ball and just uh, letting our field goal, field goal team get out there to take us in overtime. One thing you mentioned earlier, you, you talked about 
needing to clean up on the penalties and everything, but you guys did clean up on the turnovers, didn't have turnovers against Tennessee like you did against Utah. What was kind of the key in, in being successful in that category? Uh, yeah, I think it was just a kind of first start off with the game plan and um, everybody knew exactly what we needed to do to, uh, to go out there and win the game. And then um, Zach making great decisions with the ball all night. Um, and then also just with receivers, us making great decisions, decisions as well and knowing, uh, you know, the, the overall concept of the play, the overall details of each route and just cleaning up the reads for Zach. Because, um, um, you know, yeah, just like week one, I kind of made it tough on Zach on a play that caused one of the picks. And uh, just clean up, cleaning up the things like that um, was, I think, made us successful this do week. Have, do you have to strike it like a mental balance? Where you're you're trying to clean things up, but you're trying also not to think about it too much, to where it gets in your head and you're constantly worrying about turnovers. Uh, yeah, I, I, we really don't say don't turn the ball over. We just say, you know, take care of the ball and make great decisions. So I think it's positive thinking. Yeah, that's what all, we do. Players have always credited you as a guy that really helps behind the scenes and as a guy that means a lot in this team. Um, to have the game that you had last week, I, how big was that for you to, to just? Finally, have that game where you're, where you're the guy. Uh, it's it's just my job to to go out there and, and make plays when my number's called. Um, you know, I would have felt the same way if I had one catch or or you know seven, and uh, that's just what I wanted to kind of accomplish this season. It's just to be a, a consistent, reliable player for for Zach and for my teammates to trust and coaches coaches to trust. As far as just being that guy behind the scene, what, what have you tried to do since you arrived at BYU uh, just to become that guy? Uh, just, you know, just trying to be a leader when needed, um, trying to bring other guys along um, to, to help them out. Um, you know, it's really, it's really hard to say just being, being here for five years. There's, there's been a lot, a lot of ups and downs with, with this program with uh you know with myself and uh you know it's just it's just uh you know you, you see you see some things finally coming together as a, as this program and and as a as this team what are your thoughts on usc great team man um really excited for for them to come in it's a great opportunity for us um you know they have, they have a great great defense um you know 2 and 0 right now they played a great game against stanford this past weekend um so yeah we'll just uh get in the film room and uh get ready to go in terms of opportunities i mean you get this is now this will be your second ranked team in your first three games it's national television saturday afternoon abc i'm assuming these are the kind of opportunities you guys live for yeah it's what you dream of you know this this is what it's all about just preparing and uh going out there and executing Mike, when you sat down, I noticed the Defend Harlem shirt, and I know a lot about the Sojourner True School and about the mentorship program. Um, you guys do a lot for, for those students that you mentor, but what do they do for you as a football player and just as a human? Oh, man, uh, just going, going out there, I've been, I've been to Harlem three times now with, uh, with Kalani's More to Life Foundation, and, uh, you know, those kids might learn a lot from us, but we learn a lot from them as well. You know, just they – they might have it a little more tough than we do some some difficult situations, but you know, they have a smile on their face every day, and they're they're uh, you know always trying to you know be at school, learning with intent, and and taking care of their extracurricular activities, sports, and things like that. So the mentoring has been great, just being able to talk with with, with those kids and see how they're uh, how they've been doing. You're in Mike, Texas. Have you been able to put a finger on why you guys play better on the road than at home? 
Uh, I don't really think we, uh, you know, it's like a like a super trend that we play better on the road than at home. I feel like that, uh, you know, we just have to kind of always just be prepared for for anything, um, you know, at home or on the road, and it just kind of starts in practice and starts with uh, starts in practice and it continues with execution throughout throughout whatever adversity we we get hit with. You're a Texan. What was your perception of USC growing up? Are you a Longhorn? I don't know what you were growing up. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I really wasn't like a huge, like, I don't know, just college football. Like, I mean, I obviously watched football, but I didn't like have a team. So, you know, I really, I wasn't like a Texas fan and, you know, that Rose Bowl and, you know, those types of games. But, you know, USC's had great players throughout the years and uh, just looking forward to playing them. Had some friend, had some friends that uh, that played there in the past. So nobody it, currently. No, nah, yeah, nobody currently. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the development of the run game and how that helped open up the field a little bit against Tennessee? Yeah, uh, you know we might might have had some struggles early on in the game in the run in the run game, but we stuck with it. We stuck with the uh, with uh, the O line creating holes and uh, and uh, Tyson and all the other running backs doing doing their part and. Uh, as receivers, we always talk about you know trying to make that extra block downfield, and so Talon Shumway, um, Dax Mill, and Gunnar Romney doing doing all types of things like that as well. As far as being a leader, uh, is that something that comes naturally to you? Is there a particular teammate that maybe showed you the way when you came to BYU? Or? I think uh, some of it has been natural, um, just kind of throughout high school and maybe being a leader, or being a captain there. Um, and then coming here, you just kind of have to wait, wait, wait for your time. You know, you even as a uh, Kalani always talks about how anybody can be a leader, and I, that was tough for me just as a as a as a freshman or sophomore because you felt like you you may not have uh, kind of earned the right for your teammates to listen to you or teammates to kind of trust you, but you just kind of have to go for it and uh, and. Uh, and I guess yeah, it's part of the other question. There, there were a lot of guys when I was younger that I did learn from that were uh, captains here before. You know, I, I always think about my first year and just Taysom and um, Bronson, those guys. And then I'm, I'm super close with Fred Warner, and he's he's a great he's been a great leader here, and he's 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 doing it now in the NFL as well. So I've learned a lot from all those guys. Anything else? Well, Tyson's uh, game-winning run. You were kind of ushering him into the end zone. Did you think to go in there and push the pile with? Oh no, that was uh, that was Lava, Lava, oh, Lava. Lava. Yeah, he was he was doing this. Okay. I was still like way on the outside. I just had my hands up like this the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Lava. Lava said he had the magic touch. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see if he can keep doing that for us. You mentioned your closeness with Fred. Has he been able to share anything with you from playing in the NFL that has kind of helped you in your progression at all? Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that we've talked about. Um, kind of just how to carry yourself every day, uh, be the be the same guy every day, no matter the situation, no matter if you had a great game or if you had a bad game. Just be that same player, uh, be the same player, the same team guy every day, and uh, just go out and handle your business. There's BYU wide receiver Micah Simon. Now here's the defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. How in the world can the Cougars slow down USC? Well, Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator with the media. It seemed like the way you guys played that game, the strength was there, the rotation seemed to be good, so at the end they had, they had something left. Work in progress, yeah. You know, it's, uh, I thought the, I thought the, the underlying uh, thing as far as just what we loved on film was just they, they played hard, you know, and 
there, there are definitely mistakes out there. There are missed tackles or technical things, but um, you know, you start, you can, you can kind of see on film um, when you're just kind of playing, just because you have to be out there and play, and then when, when there's a belief and, and uh, when kids are just playing like that, it's just a lot more effort to play harder. And I thought that uh, we had that on Saturday. They gave up a bunch of yards, but only the one touchdown in regulation. A bunch of you know, a few field goals yep. to go with it. So kind of the bend but don't break is the way that game went. Uh, yeah. How do, how do you kind of evaluate? You, know, okay, was, you didn't let them in the end zone, but yeah, I, I thought we tightened down. Um, all the big plays we ended up giving was all just self-inflicted. You know, a guy not being where he's supposed to be, or a guy playing the wrong technique, or a guy with you know wrong eyes. And I think I think that, that was that was really the theme from week one and week two. You know, it's we've got to we've got to stop hurting ourselves. Um, we're going to be a lot better, more stout when we're when we're playing like that. But we gave up too many big plays. Um, and just and just uh, hurting ourselves, you know, a person just not not where he needed to be. What do you say to Devin? Because I mean, he ended up getting disqualified. He's got to be ready. You know, he misses some time in the next game. But what do you what do you say to him? And kind of how do you handle that? That was targeting. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he's got he's got a tackle chest up. I mean, it might have been a step late as well. I mean, you just got to make better decisions, and he knows that. He saw it on film, and we've. Uh, We've got to be be better just as far as making decisions at the point of contact. And I mean, I uh, you know not not to say that I agree with the call or disagree with the call. It's just to me as I look at it, when the refs come in and they they explain to us what they see and kind of the criteria for what they're looking for. To me, it looked like all the criteria that they're looking for. It looked like targeting to me. So I mean, we've just got to be better. I've got to be better as a coach and coaching them up and how to do it. And he's got to be better as a player and making decisions. What were the biggest changes you saw between week one and week two? Uh, we were a little bit more sound. Um, we had, uh, we, we, I mean, there, there, there's still some things that, you know, sometimes as a coach, all you really see is just the critical part. And there's a lot of good. The kids, play, the kids played hard. They played all the way to the end. But we've, we've just got to be better. We, we're taking away a lot of big plays if we can just be where we're supposed to be. And, and uh, we've got to do a better job as coaches just making sure that our guys are sound. When we're playing sound defense, I think we're hard to, we're hard to beat. It's hard to move the ball on us. But when we're... When we're sound, 10 guys are sound and one guy's not, we're always going to give something up, and it keeps showing up. I mean, the ball has a way of finding that soft spot in the defense wherever somebody's messing up, and it, and it uh, showed up in game, in game one and game two. And so we've just got to continue to work on being sound. Defense really came alive during kind of crunch time at the end. How do you create that urgency throughout the entire game? I think that's credit to the players, and that's, that's credit to uh, all the fans that travel there. I mean, it... It was uh, it was just an electric place to play play in. I, th- I thought it was uh, a lot of energy um, and uh, a lot of belief, and it's also just you know as a player, it's always fun to play in front of people. And so, I think that was just more credit to just the players and their energy as well as the, the crowd that showed up. Talk about the challenges you're facing this week against a USC team. It's proven they can move the ball. Yep, yep. Got a lot to work on. A lot to um, try to shore up. You know, as far as the improvements from game one to game two. Um, we've, we've just got to be technically good and uh, schematically good, and I think that uh, you know, we'll, we'll play stout, but we've got to keep everything in front of us. I mean, they, they're, they're really good on offense, I think. I think they're very very in sync, even with the freshman quarterback. they got a lot of playmakers on the perimeter, got a lot of speed, and uh, good running back. I mean, it's, it's a solid, solid offense. So I think it's a little bit different from the two previous offenses that we faced with, with all, what they do, spread and throwing the ball, but um, it definitely has its challenges that we've got to make sure that we, we stop them. The passing game's gotten a lot of attention, but what, what, was, what is the challenge with their run game? 
I mean, they, they do a good job um, with the pass game. It always thins out your box. I mean, you want to you wanna try to, um, you know, we, we have to do a good job just challenging our corners to make sure that we're playing some man-to-man football, some assignment sound football, and just saying, hey, if we're going to, we're going to stop the run. I mean, if you go back and look at the game one, game two, and look at the stats, you'd think, okay, let's come in, and, and the, the key to win is to run the ball on them. And so we've got to stop the run, regardless of how much they run versus pass. But um, our corners have to do a good job, you know, playing man-to-man coverage, and uh, we have to stop the run in order for us to win games and, and uh, just play sound ball. With Slovis coming in, maybe not expecting that with J.T. Daniels going out, I guess what have you seen from him? What do you expect to see from him uh, coming in here? Three. You know, obviously, um, you know, uh, their their starting quarterback was a good player. Uh, sometimes when you get a freshman that comes in, a lot more pliable as a as a player, and um, you know, they kind of where, where the read is supposed to go pre snap, they take it, and they're. I think they he found a lot of success just being obedient to the system. It looked on film they were really, I mean, it was, uh, surprisingly because they're really really in sync, and that's something that you don't normally see with a freshman quarterback. But um, I think I think he's running their system really well and. And uh, I think because of his success the first week, he's going to continue to do it. Just they're going to do their deal, and we got to we got to stop them. There's BYU's defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. All right, coming up, we're going to have more on the Cougars with Riley Nelson on the radio broadcast now with uh, Greg Rubel. Uh, he's going to join us at 7:30. Life of Riley every uh, every Wednesday. Riley Jensen will be here at 8:05. Our Aggie insider, college football insider, and Lincoln Kennedy from the Pac-12 networks at 8. 30. DJMP can remind you don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park right and save at Diamond Airport Parking. All right, when we come back, PK and I with Frank Dolce, our Ute insider. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, time now to talk a little college football with Frank Dolce. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're not having any technical difficulties today. Rock uh, solid today, Frank. We're rocking. Yep, awesome. Frank, we're from yeah. the South Bay. What's up, G? <laughs> <laughs> That's my guy. PK's my guy. Frank, we're going to start you off with the question of the day. Are you ready? Absolutely. What should Ute fans want to have happen with the BYU-USC game? BYU softens them up. Utah sets up a showdown. Can't root. Hate them both. Don't care. It's our year. Bring them on. Hmm. I, I would be more... Can I modify one of those answers? I would be more along the lines of don't care, but I wouldn't go so far as to say, bring them on, it's our year. I think the, the uh, you know, I, I, want, I want Kalani Sataki to do well. 
I, I love Kalani, and I hope he has great success. But the, the Pac-12 over the weekend was – I thought it was really interesting. And now, all of a sudden, what seemed like maybe a more clear path to the championship game for Utah got all muddied up because USC looks like they have athletes running all over the field. And, and they, you know, like they did to Fresno State at times, they mugged Stanford at times. And then Colorado goes and, and beats Nebraska. And, you know, I guess the UCLA is no good. I guess the surprising one was it was Arizona State letting Sac State kind of kind of hang around. Uh, and then how about Cal beating Washington? I mean, the, the Pac-12, what we thought was going to be the Pac-12, changed in my mind over the weekend. So I think the biggest surprise there was the quarterback for SC, the freshman, not the redshirt freshman, but the, the first-year freshman coming in there and doing what he did. What does it take to have a kid who only in his second game of college played a little bit in the first game because of the injury, but to do like he did with a 28 of 33 for 377 yards against a Pac-12 defense was just off the charts. How do you explain it? Well, the first thing is he was he had to be extraordinarily well prepared physically and mostly mentally to go in and take on that challenge. And who knows, maybe he's just too young to, to understand what, what's happening. But, but uh, he, he stepped in there. He looked like he was confident. He looked like he knew what he wanted to do. And credit the coaching staff for getting him to that point and putting a game plan in place that he could execute because he executed very, very well. And then, you know, and then he has an offensive line that, that plays – I mean, those guys played pretty darn well. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't, he was harassed a little bit here and there, but he wasn't really harassed that often. You, you need some help to, to make plays like that and to, and to throw for that percentage. And then, I mean, he has, he has a terrific running back, maybe a couple, uh, solid running game, which is still in my mind a quarterback's best friend, is a good running game. And then I don't know how many, I mean, he, he, maybe he has four receivers that are, that are top three round NFL draft guys. So he has some weapons around him. And by the way, did, did, it, did you notice this? It, it looked to me like there was a significant speed differential between USC and Stanford. And I like Stanford. I love David Shaw. But, but he, he was certainly extremely well prepared uh, to execute that game plan, and he got he has a lot of help. He has a lot of athletes around him. So, <clears throat> I think you know the interesting thing about the way the conference changed over weekend that you reference is a lot of it. A lot of it comes down to: Are you settling for field goals? Or are you scoring touchdowns? Washington kicked four field goals against Cal. You need to score some touchdowns. Cal's not around to win that game at the end. You look at Stanford, they had six potential scoring drives, but four field goals, and they missed two of them. And SC, with the exception of that early field goal, is scoring a touchdown every time. How much of this just comes down to how good you are in the red zone? There isn't that much separating a lot of these teams. Yeah, red zone 
execution and red zone percentage on both sides of the ball is significantly important. And, and, and I think, you know, typically I agree with you on that point that you have to score touchdowns. You know, this is, you know, I, I say it sometimes, this is a game where you have to score touchdowns to win because the other, you know, the opposing offense. I, I feel that way about when you play Washington State. Like Washington State is a game where you have to go and score touchdowns because they're going to score touchdowns and you can't get away with scoring field goals. Maybe Utah is, is, the, is the best team around with the ability to kick field goals and still figure out a way to win football games than anybody else. Um, and that's why they're, that's why they're, you know, it's a good matchup when, when they play. That's why when, when I look at their schedule and I say, okay, Utah versus Washington, I like that matchup better because I think Utah can force Washington to, to do those things, kick field goals. And then if you're trading field goals, you know, you figure out a way to come out of that game on top. It's why I don't like the matchup with Washington State in Utah because now you're, you have to put yourself in a position where you're, you're either playing catch-up or you're you know, in the red zone. You have to be 100% efficient because Washington State is going to score a, a bunch of touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, red zone efficiency is significantly important in the league, and, and it, it does spell the difference between – you know, which team is going to represent the conference in the championship game and which team won't. Um, but interestingly, I think Utah wins that battle more often than not when it comes down to a field goal game just because that's their style of play. Have any concern at all that the Northern Illinois quarterback was able to throw for 202 yards in the first half, knowing that I think he only had like 27 or so in the second half? Yeah, yeah, I... I mean that those things are are very concerning. You, because you have this expectation that the Utes will will take Northern Illinois and and basically dismantle them at the line of scrimmage, and and then it's going to be, you know, maybe a, a one or two yard run average throughout the day, and the quarterback's going to throw for, you know, maybe fifty percent completions and and maybe a hundred and so hundred or so yards over the course of the day. And so when, when, when the expectation is not met and when you see guys kind of running around the field and go on a scoring drive and then you, you know, you know, you kind of, you kind of think about that a little bit and you think about teams that Utah is going to face moving forward and, and how they're going to utilize that type of game field. So yeah, I think there's concern. Although I would say, I would also say this, that the game got pretty boring after that, you know, after Northern Illinois went on that first scoring drive, maybe scored their second touchdown, and then, and then the game was not exciting anymore because it, it never felt like after that point, even when Utah went up by, I think, three points at one point, it felt like, well, okay, the game, Utah has the game in control. It's never, it wasn't really in doubt after that point. And although I think Utah made some improvements and took a step forward in some areas, you know, they still have some improvement to make. So, uh, yeah, but, but, but for sure, I think there's a little concern about the teams Utah's going to face in the pass game and how they're going to manage that based on what happened in the first half uh, last weekend. You know, college sports, PK always says sports reinvents itself all the time, but college sports really does because guys are there, you know, two to four years, whatever. 
do you see any of these new guys for the Utes? And some of them have been on the team before. Some are relatively new here. But do you see anybody breaking out behind Moss? Because they were distributing the ball, both running and throwing the ball to guys out of the backfield or out of the slot who haven't gotten a lot of touches, and they're all making plays, and I don't know that they'll be able to do that in the Pac-12. I don't know if it's a one-off. Are any of them you think have a little more staying power you're willing to bet on a little more than some of the other guys? Uh, playing in the in in the running back position. Yeah, and some of yeah, the running backs like, they line up in slot too. So I, and it's a little gray area, but yeah, yeah. I I like uh, I like Will Moore. I mean, I think there's a guy that that has some potential. But but the problem is these guys are going to have to break out on very few Touches. opportunities. Yeah. I mean, they're just not going to get opportunities. If Moss stays healthy, then then he's just going to carry. And he should, you know, 90% of the touches in the running back position are going to be to, to Moss. So they're going to have to break out on, on a few carries a game, and that's really, that's really difficult to do, especially when I feel like the running back position, for the most part, is a, is a position group that needs to get into a rhythm in the football game and, and have, a, have a bunch of touches. But, but I think I, I like Will Moore. I like all the other guys. I like – I like uh, Henry Cole, and I like, I like Brumfield, and I like T.J. Green. I don't think they quite fit in the same class. I think they would be very uh, – they, 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 they would be productive backs, and they would bring a little different style to the running back position. But I don't know that I necessarily put them in the same – like the same productivity that you can count on each week from the running back position group. I like all of those guys. I think they're they're really talented guys, but there's a clear separation I think between those guys and certainly Zach Moss and maybe maybe even a little bit in Wilmore. I think Zach Wilson certainly got his best win last week against Tennessee since he's been the starter. So now that he has that in his back pocket, how much better do you think he can be going forward? Oh, yeah, that's a great win. That's a fantastic win. Uh, a really good win on the road in, in, a, in a hostile environment and, and, and facing some adversity and, and figuring out how to make a play. I mean, it's all, those are all the things that, that college football is built on. I mean, all of that type of excitement. And so now can, can Kalani and, and his team build on that? Uh, where, where did they? What did they do really well in that game? Where do they need to improve from from that game? What you know? What are opposing defenses going to learn from what Tennessee did or or didn't do in that game? So yeah, I think there's plenty plenty to build on, and and it should be you know certainly certainly on the confidence side, it should give uh, BYU something to to build on moving forward. Still, I think they're you know they have a couple they have a couple really difficult games coming up, and so it'll be interesting to see how they how they respond. Uh, USC, like like I said, the athleticism at USC is very intriguing. Now I don't know that I'm I still don't know that I'm sold on Coach Helton. Uh, I like I mean like he's a really like he, he would be a guy that you'd want to hang out with. He seems like a really good guy and. And, but, but then do you think, well, I don't know if he's really gotten the most out of the talent that he's had available at USC. So and it, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about him leading that team, but, but, 
and there's a lot of athletes. And athleticism typically wins out, uh, in, you know, in a, in a college football game. Lot, lots of times it does anyway. And then, and then Washington is, you know, they're just, they're just going to make it, they, they'll make it difficult. They'll make it really difficult uh, on BYU right at the line of scrimmage. And, and uh, which was interesting because Cal seemed to push, push Washington around a little bit. But, but Washington will, you know, do a lot, a lot of things that Utah does and try and make you one-dimensional and they'll try and keep uh, Wilson in the pocket and keep him hemmed in a little bit and force him to do things under pressure that he doesn't, doesn't necessarily want to do. And then after that, I think, after those next two games, I think BYU has a, has a very good opportunity in their schedule to, to pick up a lot of nice wins. So uh, certainly lots to build on from a great win on the road under difficult circumstances. Um, but it doesn't, the task doesn't necessarily get any easier with, with USC coming to town. You know, for the Utes, they're 2-0 and right now. You just said, you know, when you have the better athletes, you can win a lot of college football games. Have you learned a lot about this team that you think will help kind of tell the story when they're playing the top end of the Pac-12 schedule? Or are those still all question marks? And I guess more importantly, do you think the coaches have learned and figured anything out from these first couple games that will help them against the top end of the Pac-12 schedule? I'm sure the coaching staff has figured something out or, or have they, they've witnessed something on game film that maybe we just don't, we aren't privy to. So yeah, I'm sure inside the walls, they're tweaking things. And I, you know, I think they tried some, some new stuff here and there against Northern Illinois that may not ever see the light of day again. But so, so there, this is, this is a game when they go into Idaho, when Idaho state comes to town that they have to really get fine tuned heading into heading into the Pac-12 schedule. In, in terms of U- matchups for Utah the rest of the way, at the beginning of the year I thought, well, there, you know, there, it looks like there's maybe two losses on the schedule. Or I sh- maybe I should say kind of likely that there are two losses on the schedule. And then the four teams I picked it for those losses, Washington, Washington State, USC, and uh, Arizona State. And I thought that Washington State was at the top of my list. Well, I, you know, I think I'm going to have to add another to that list because of the way Colorado played and the way they've played the last couple of weeks and the way their quarterback is playing. And the passing game, PK, you mentioned the passing game, which you know, gives a little bit of concern on, in the Utah secondary. So Colorado might jump into there in the mix of being a team that you once thought, well, yeah. Utah should be able to. I feel very confident Utah's going to get a win with Colorado, well, I don't know. Maybe you don't feel so confident in, in that anymore based on the way Utah's performed the first couple of weeks. I, you know, they've been good wins, solid wins, but I don't think they've been wins where you think, well, this is a Utah football team that is going to the Rose Bowl this year. I would think you would say, this is a Utah football team that has a lot of talent, and all of the opportunity in front of them to go to the Rose Bowl if they do things the right way week in and week out um, and don't get caught up in, you know, in one of those games that they, you know, they somehow figure out how to fumble away. But, but certainly the path is a little more muddy than, than we thought previous to the last couple of weeks. 
Uh, for me, I always thought that Colorado is not going to win the South for sure. They may not even contend, but on any given Saturday, when you got a fifth-year senior quarterback who knows what he's doing, certainly he knows what he's doing, that they can be dangerous on that given Saturday. So I totally agree with you. I would also, and I've always had this because of their defense and their running game against Washington was decent enough, that I would put Cal in there as not a cakewalk either. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I, I, uh, I, I left them out unintentionally, but, but the way that Cal played, and I love their, I love their head coach, and I think he does it, does it the right way, and I love the way – I don't know if you got a chance to watch their, them play against, against Washington, but some of the defensive blitzes – I mean, they had, they had safeties a few times for kind of managing the snap count. They had safeties – blitzing from the safety position, like lined up 10 or 12 yards downfield, and all of a sudden here comes a flash of white blitzing from the defensive secondary. I mean, I just thought it was very, very creative and obviously very effective the way that he's running that football team. And I, you know what, it's, it's, like, it's like one of those things. I, 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 like, I like more parity in, in the Pac-12. I like all the teams to be good. And, and I know that people say, well, then you beat each other up and you, get, you don't give yourself as, you know, the best opportunity to get to a playoff. And I don't know if that's, if, that, if that's the best thing. I would rather, I, I think I would rather have some parity when you have these competitive games week in and week out. And I think that's where, where Cal has put itself. There are a few teams in the league that still need to get there and and hopefully they you know they'll, they'll kind of figure it out over the next couple seasons but but I love the way Cal's playing and and to knock off Washington two years in a row and this one at Washington absolutely you have to circle that one if on, on Utah's schedule as now that becomes a question mark Frank as always we appreciate a few minutes thanks for coming on and uh, talking a little Utah football Absolutely. You know, you guys, it's my, uh, of all the shows I get to do on 1280, don't tell anyone, yours is my very favorite. <laughs> I've heard you say that on other shows, Frank. Dang. I've not. We're on to never you. said that We're on to anybody you, else. We're on to you. We see what you're doing, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think you guys are awesome. So have all a great right. day. Go with that. I look forward to catching up with you soon. There is Frank Dolce. And coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.